clickers and clackers, I'm Adam. And I'm James. And welcome and back to another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the HBO Boys, where we are recapping and reviewing HBO's adaptation of the award-winning video game, The Last of Us. This week, we're doing episode six entitled Kin. With a runtime of 59 minutes, we are met again with a few emotional bouts portrayed by the masterful Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, as well as the reintroduction of the character Tommy, played by Gabriel Luna. Generally, I was hit pretty hard by this episode, with some caveats, which we'll get into in a little bit, but it covered a scene from the game that I personally regard as one of the most emotionally charged scenes ever acted out in a video game. Uh, James, where do you lie with this? I hope it's the same. I thought it was a great episode. This is a story episode. You should have those in this kind of game adaptation. Otherwise, you're doing it wrong. I've been playing the game. There are long sections of just story and... I think that the losers complaining online about this episode, they don't really know what they want, man. Uh, And we'll talk more about it, but a lot of HBO shows in their later seasons, they just devolve into Dragon Ball Z. That's what happened to Westworld, and that's what happened to His Dark Materials. And Mm. it's just nonstop, like, weird shit happening constantly, and nobody cares anymore. And the reason why I care about this show is because we have these uh, story and character driven episodes where we see the characters choose things based on their character and not just like have a kung fu fight for 25 minutes right and that's what this episode does really really well it's it's definitely a bit more grounded and it spent a lot of time building up this relationship with joel and ellie additionally despite their differences we see how deep-rooted joel and tommy's relationship is as brothers they trust and are vulnerable with each other in this episode and we see a glimpse of the lengths that they're willing to go to to help each other and i think again this was portrayed in the games but fleshed out more here in the show that's really all you can ask for in an adaptation is that they expand on the good parts right yeah the 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 game was very different in how tommy gets reintroduced and what joel and tommy go through there's a whole mission where you help tommy get the dam repowered but in this episode the dam is already providing power to their town which again is good because we didn't need a action sequence of getting the dam online what we needed was these characters to develop more because the show is half way over. Exactly right. Also in this episode, we see a very charged scene that I spoke of uh, just a few minutes ago uh, with Joel and Ellie, crescendoing to one of the most emotionally charged scene of the show, which end up testing them as a duo. This became the true pivot point of their relationship where Ellie was no longer cargo to Joel. She became someone he unquestionably wanted to protect and risk his life for. Yeah, I mean, I also thought that the guy who portrayed Tommy was really good in this episode, oh, yeah. and I don't know him from anything else. Is he from anything else famous? I, I've heard of his name before, but I couldn't pinpoint anything he's been in. Like, nothing comes to mind. He's a good Tommy. He's really nothing like Tommy in the game, except that he has shoulder-length hair. Yeah, he has a really good voice. Like, he sounds like Tommy. And I think that's really uh, maybe more important. And I'm really hoping that they keep this specific guy around if they do. Ex- 
if they, if they do the, the game, the next game, or they're going to yeah. do filler content between, I wonder. Maybe. Even if they, you know, season two goes into The Last of Us Part Two, Tommy is a part of that. So I'm hopeful that he stays on. I think he's a great cast for Tommy. So the final few moments of this episode were chaotic and heartbreaking, as this is a common theme now and leaves us on the edge of a cliff if you're not familiar with the games. Uh, something that truly changes the course of where we're going. Yeah, and I think a lot actually in the last couple minutes of this episode, we see a lot that we saw towards the very end of the game actually. And we'll get there when we recap the episode. But I was thinking as it was happening in the show, I'm like, wow, we're already here. Right, but keep in mind that this show is going to go into the Left Behind DLC, which wasn't part of the main story, but they're interweaving it, which is a little bit uh, more on Ellie's backstory. And I'm really excited for that. I will, I will talk about it later, but I hope it's a, a one-off. I hope they just do that as like a short film. Yes, and I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to go a little bit flashbacky during Ellie's time with Joel into the next episode. But without going into too much detail, there was something about the final act of this episode that I was actually a little bummed was not was not more similar to the game the moments leading up to joel's state in the game again without trying to spoil it uh was very intense and left a very hopeless feeling which added to the severity of it but i'm a man of sound mind james and i understand when you adapt to the screen changes have to happen and the original story was very video gamey and for good reason it's a video game the drama is massively inflated and had it gone the way it did in the game, the story would not have continued. So what we got was much more believable, but is still keeping us on pace, which I appreciated. Yeah, but I'm still waiting for Pedro Pascal to crouch down and like listen super hard and, <laughs> and see through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Listening mode. Again, that's a game mechanic. How is it to be translated on screen? <laughs> right. Basically, he is daredevil when he does that. Yeah, right. He turns blind for a second. <laughs> But overall, I really, really liked this episode. I think this was the most faithful to the game in terms of the actions that happened. Very little deviation. And when they did deviate, it was for good reason for television rather than a video game. Like you said, we don't want 45 minutes of a battle at the dam because it doesn't do anything. It's just something to do for the game. So aside from those little changes, which I think were done well, episode was probably one of the best next to the series premiere for me. I wish we had gotten this much Tommy in the first game because he becomes so important and yes. we really don't know too much about him by the time right. he becomes so important in the game. Right. Exactly right. I agree. So again, without spoiling anything, that was our take on this episode. Next, we're going to get into each scene and spoil everything for you. So if you're ready for that, we will be right back. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. And welcome back. Let's get into it. What do you think? Well, I was really kind of sad that we're not doing like vignettes anymore. That seems to conceptually have been dropped. Yes, I think that was good for the first couple episodes to kind of get a read on what's happening. Bring them back for season two, guys. <laughs> Just bring them back. <laughs> 
Okay, so we have our first considerable time jump of the current story with the beginning of this episode. We are now three months into the future, and Joel and Ellie are amongst snow-swept forests, fields, and mountains in Wyoming. It looks cold. It's kind of my version of hell. I absolutely hate snow and would hate it even more in a post-apocalyptic world, but this is something that is different from the games. And again, a small deviation, but I think the impact is good. I thought because it was a winter scene, I was like, oh, here, here comes the rabbit scene. Right. No, No, not yet. So that's what I was thinking the same thing. And I think the man carrying the rabbits was a a little homage to that. But in the game, these events that take place in this episode actually happen in the fall. So there's no snow. They jumped ahead to to winter. But did we get the caption? Winter. No. So we didn't get a caption in the show. They have not done the captions for each season. Shit. Which is honestly surprising because that was such an iconic like understanding that the story has progressed a good amount of time. I mean, it also kind of divides the game into kind of thematic chapters as well, but I I guess the show is not really doing that. No, no, it's just one big story, which I'm not opposed to. Again, a small change, it is just different. It's different, and I think with the game it works better because it typically takes you longer to play the game, so to have a frame of reference of when things are happening is good. So it is it is whatever. It's not a big deal to me. But the scene opens up with a man carrying some snow rabbits to a cabin door and walking inside. This is not Joel. In fact, this is the house of Marlin, played by Dances with Wolves alumni Graham Greene, and Florence, played by Elaine Miles. Two very good actors, and I really love this scene. Yeah, these two in their little hovel, they reminded me a little of like the hateful eight or something because it's like blizzarding outside yeah this scene was the comic relief i think to come down off of the emotional hit of the end of last episode we needed something that was not heartbreaking and this was a little bit more lighthearted. i guess we were too quick to criticize henry in in the other episode because this is just a normal way of introducing yourself now in society yes (laughs) excuse me do you know where the crossroads is and you're like pointing a gun directly at someone's head (laughs) yeah Yeah, you keep going that way two miles thanks I just I just loved how nonchalant the older couple was. Joel and Ellie uh, are hiding upstairs as Marlon enters the house. Florence motions that she's not alone. It, it feels like this has happened before. And they both kind of casually just sit down and start talking to Joel as he's holding a gun to them. And again, very funny scene to me. The relationship of Marlon and Florence is silly and sweet, and I really love that. It turns out that Bill and Frank weren't the only couple to make a good long life out of a terrible apocalyptic world. These two seem to be just fine. So Marlon and Florence are talking with Ellie and Joel, and they're talking about some serious warnings about a river of death and how you should not go past it. And Joel and Ellie do. Did you think that this was a red herring also? I thought they were making reference to the bad guys that you encounter in the winter section. Uh, So I think a little bit, but I also had in the back of my mind that maybe these people do think that the settlement of Jackson is not good and they're raiders and evil because they just don't know what's going on there. So it could have gone either way for me. I actually think this was really clever and would have worked as a really good surprise to surprise like people who come in already knowing the story from the game. Right. So unfortunately, they already blew this surprise in the preview for the next episode last yeah. week. So <laughs> I know <laughs> it's all good. 
Before Joel and Ellie can get out of the front yard, Joel actually has what looks to be a panic attack, but quickly recovers and kind of brushes it off. The two continue traveling many miles over snow-dumped landscape, and as they camp, we see a glimpse of how worn down Joel actually is. Not only physically, but his gear is starting to go bad. We see him wrapping up his boots with duct tape. Too bad Payless doesn't exist anymore in this society. He could just go and get a new pair, but he can't do that because it's the apocalypse. So I really wonder, we're not going to get that section of the game where you play as Ellie and save Joel. I believe we will maybe partway through next episode leading into episode eight, but really we won't know until the, the previews after next episode. So Joel and Ellie cross a river, but there are no signs of people. Is this really the river of death that he exclaimed? They make camp and Joel looks up to see Ellie standing on top of a rock peering at the northern lights, which was very pretty. Uh, Again, this show is beautifully filmed. There's some wonderful cinematography specifically in this episode. And then Joel says the most dad thing he's ever said so far. Come down from there. You're going to break your neck. So she does and sees Joel is partaking in a swig of grandpa's old cough medicine and asks for a bit to warm up. And he obliges and she takes a swig. But just before she takes a swig of the whiskey, she does this little cheers gesture and it made me laugh. She looked to me like a like a drunk at a bar. Like, (laughs) you're to you <laughs> have you ever seen the northern lights adam i have not i've always Me wanted neither. to oh sad yeah well. yeah so i i hope to at some point in my life that would be wonderful it it seems like one of those surreal things that you can't believe until you actually see it because i don't know how that fucking works yeah i want to see that shit i also want to go whale watching but then i read that there's no such thing as ethical whale watching because it what? disturbs the whales and i'm sad about that yeah that makes sense remember they did whale watching trips here <laughs> Yeah, I want to, damn it, I want to see a whale, but I don't want to frighten them. (laughs) Shit. Just go on a cruise, you might see one. So, something to remember, and it's been a theme throughout the show so far, is Ellie has this fascination with space, and they go into this a little bit, rattling off different astronauts' names. She actually knows quite a few. She studied and learned them all. Sally fucking ride, best astronaut name ever. I thought that was a great call out. And they continue to have some dialogue over what they would do after they reach the fireflies. And Ellie shares details about knowing Sam's infection prior to the morning. And Joel reassures Ellie that if Marlene says that the fireflies can make a cure, they sure can. Uh, well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And well, I, I wonder why he's kind of like not being more coy about it. But I could have sworn when it was like him and Tess, Joel was like pretty clear that he knew what the implications were. But here he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, you'll make it make a cure. You'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think that maybe you were picking up that information wrong. <laughs> Oh, no, actually, I now have a different read on it, Adam. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get okay. There. All right. All right. Make sure to 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 say it. <laughs> Don't forget to say it. So they camp and wake up and the two continue to traverse and they come across another river with the dam that we see from the game at which Ellie points out, hey, what if this is the river of death? And sure enough, shortly after she says that, they're surrounded by people on horseback pointing guns at them. Impending death? Yeah. Yeah, and then they do uh, the airport dog test on them. And <laughs> the I was really worried. Dog. I was also very worried. And I thought this was a great scene. Uh, the German shepherd who can supposedly detect 
the infection. It walks up to Joel, sniffs him, jumps on him, all clear. Walks up to Ellie, the camera smash cuts over to Joel in a panic, and he's not doing anything, he's just frozen, and looks over at Ellie. Ellie is panicking too, and then we hear Ellie start giggling and laughing as the dog is licking her, and she pets its head. So much for their security system. Yeah, how is the dog gonna tell if you have cordyceps in your blood? It's It's a bomb-sniffing dog. The urban legend of like, the oh, this is the cat always sits on the bed of the patients who are about to die. So Joel explains to these people that he's looking for his brother. A woman says, what's your name? He says, I'm Joel. And it smash cuts to the group of horseback riders bringing Ellie and Joel along with them. And they approach a wooden gate, which we find out is now the town of Jackson, Wyoming. Fun fact, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is the place a few of the boys and I are looking to take a trip this October. So maybe I will get to see the Northern Lights. (laughs) Now, is it Jackson or is it Jackson Hole? So Jackson, Wyoming is a town. Jackson Hole is like another town near it. It's like kind of like a village, I guess, if you want to call it. But Jackson Hole is a town that you can go to. Yeah, you've been to Atlantic City? I have. Damn, I haven't been there. Oh, it's you're not missing much. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's casinos, meth heads, and stray cats. I see. I see. Yeah. It's pretty fun in the daytime, though. There's a boardwalk with a lot of stuff. It's kind of like a, now that I've been there, it's kind of like a weird Santa Monica Pier, (laughs) if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So as we're looking at Jackson, we first think that it's going to be this rundown settlement. They kind of allude that we don't know what's going to happen in there. We don't know who's going to be in there. Maybe there's meager rations, a small amount of people, but it in fact ends up being a completely self-sustaining community with 300 plus people, power from the nearby dam, food, and a livestock aplenty. This actually was very well done and very accurate to the game that we eventually see in the part two. We actually don't go to Jackson in the game. It's more of an outskirt base that we go to. Jackson is just referenced, but this is the starting point for the second game. So we will see Jackson again. Yeah, and I think it's a possibility we'll see it again in this season, depending on how things go. They're changing a lot. Yeah, we we may see it again. I think if we're going to see it at all again, it will be probably within the last episode. So as they make their way to the center of town, Joel spots Tommy on a scaffolding off to the side. And here we see a master class in acting by Pedro Pascal. The tone at which he shouted Tommy's name resonated so hard in my head. It was like a full relief. I found uh, my family. I have achieved this long-awaited goal of finding my brother. And Tommy asks, what the fuck are you doing here? Joel says, I've come here to save you. And they laugh because clearly Tommy is doing just fine. I really like how exact this looks like the Jackson in the game. It really does. And like Uh the way that it's been sectioned off and gated off, how they have like these wide streets, but no cars. So you're just walking down wide open streets or you have a horse and buggy. (laughs) Horse and buggy. I love it. Yeah. Maria, who uh, we'll meet in a few minutes here, actually explains, yeah, we started with the gated community that was already there and we just expanded the wall. So they were halfway done before they even started building because of the gated community. So while we met her as she was interrogating Joel and Ellie on horseback, we learn this woman's name is, like I said, Maria. Maria and Tommy are together now, and we get a fairly comical scene of Joel and Ellie scarfing down food in what looks like a mess hall or a town hall as Joel tries to have a quote-unquote family conversation. But Maria is part of the family now, Joel. Get used to it. Say congratulations, okay? I like how chill they are with Ellie. Yes. Because Ellie's just like real easy to get along with. Yeah. 
and again like the implications are are maybe kind of dark depending on how you want to look at like what is going on with joel and these panic attacks that he's having yeah right and eventually when he explains it it's it's like every time that she's in danger or something bad is going to happen to her he like panics and maybe can't do what he's supposed to right uh doesn't that sound like something that sort of happens uh in the game so it doesn't happen in the game this is actually a weakness we see in the show i'll I'll explain it a little more later oh okay (laughs) what i mean to say is like what joel the choice that joel makes at the end of the game is him kind oh. of panicking and not doing what he's supposed to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we will absolutely get there. <laughs> also something to note in this scene, Ellie notices out of the corner of her eye, a girl staring at them and Ellie loudly shouts, what? And scares her off. Now myself and a lot of other people on the internet, imagine that this is actually Dina from the last of us part two. There was an uncanny visual resemblance to these two characters. And for those who don't know, Dina comes to play a very important role in Ellie's life in the second game. But that is all we see of this girl from now. That's crazy. And they have not confirmed or denied it. So who knows? It looked just like her, man. So... The two are given a tour of the town, which is very impressive, and after declaring they are communists, because they live in a commune, Maria takes Ellie to shower and freshen up as Joel and Tommy go to the bar to catch up. Just to be clear, I don't think this is really communism in the traditional sense. (laughs) And this (laughs) is where that conversation went. There's no means of production, I don't think. In any case. (laughs) But because they live in a commune, they are communists, James. (laughs) Joel and Tommy are in the bar, they're catching up, and Joel ends up wanting Tommy to accompany him in delivering Ellie to the Fireflies. Tommy balks back and says, no, no, I can't do that, but Joel uses the indescript violence that they committed years ago as leverage for needing to pay back Joel. Tommy reveals that he can't go because he's actually going to be a father. Tommy says, I feel like I'd be a good dad. I guess we'll find out, Joel says. And Tommy does not take that very lightly and says, just because life stopped for you, that's no reason it has to stop for me. And Joel did not like that answer. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like Joel is really capable of having that conversation. Like, literally, physically incapable, he'll collapse if he even tries to. <laughs> Like he does like he like he he's seriously like i can't talk about this and then goes to the street and almost like passes out as he storms out stating they'll supply up and be out of their hair in the morning just after he leaves he has a little bit of a panic attack again and leans against this pole as he stares out in the crowd of people he's starting to see things so much so that he sees a woman that bears a striking resemblance to his daughter sarah but of course this is not sarah he is still just deeply troubled by the loss of his daughter and that is heartbreaking because he's never really had the ability to get over it it's it's really sad and i wonder obviously the the best thing for joel would be therapy but i don't think those institutions (laughs) exist anymore right there's there's no therapists on the commune (laughs) i think that in a community with people who cared about him maybe joel could find like renewed purpose in life uh and that would help him to heal because i don't think being a paid killer is gonna help him get over his wounds not that he chose that life (laughs) (laughs) or did he <laughs> we we may never know. Maybe we'll get a backstory game. I think that would be interesting for part three. Having a backstory of Joel, that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's 20 years there. Right, right, exactly. But speaking of Sarah, as Ellie and Maria spend some time together, Ellie notices a shrine in the house with two names on it and dates in the early 2000s. One was Kevin, who was a three-year-old that died shortly after Outbreak Day, and Sarah, 
who died on outbreak day at the age of 14. Ellie then finds out that only Kevin was Maria's child. Now keep in mind, Ellie does not know that Sarah existed. Sarah was Joel's daughter. There was a silence that let Maria know that Ellie did not know this. And she says that explains him a little bit. Maria leads on that Joel is a little bit of a bad influence. Be careful who you put your faith into. Again, this is a theme they're hammering home. And they even like play that song again from the end of episode one. Right. Yes. The creators are very, very good at making us think of the past and how things play out. Again, expertly written content for sure. But cut to the town hall where the people have put up a makeshift movie theater. Ellie is not really paying attention to the movie, but more on Maria and Tommy. But fun fact, this film that's being played is the 1977 film The Goodbye Girl. And this was not Damn. a random choice. Yeah, this was not a random <laughs> choice as to what movie they have on screen. In this movie, Richard Dreyfus is playing a man who is forming a connection with a dancer and her 10-year-old daughter. This woman has a history of being abandoned by men in her life and fears that Richard Dreyfuss's character will do the same. As you can see, the parallels are insane. Yeah, have you ever seen that movie? Wild. I have seen that movie. Uh, really? Long, long I have time not. Ago. I have not um, seen the movie. Yeah, and and actually, uh, when I was watching that scene, I was like, I think I've seen this shit. What movie is this? And I couldn't say what. But then again, watching it with my elderly dad, he was like, I think it's the Goodbye Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so he nailed it. <laughs> there it is. So meanwhile, Joel is in the workshop repairing his boots and getting very frustrated as he's struggling to do that. Tommy comes in with a peace offering saying, I know you're happy for me. It's just complicated for you. I understand. Joel asks Tommy for some details on this trip to the University of Eastern Colorado, where this base is supposedly located. He then shares with Tommy that Ellie is immune. And Pedro goes into this wonderful monologue of Joel explaining his journey with Ellie thus far and how fear comes up out of nowhere and makes Makes him feel like his heart's stopping. We see Joel shedding tears and showing actual emotion, really showing emotion. He is haunted by his dreams and he can't remember them, but it leaves him feeling that he has lost something. I think there's two reads on this. There's like the surface level reading of it. It's like, oh, I won't have the strength to protect Ellie. Or there's the subtextual level of like, I won't have the strength to do what needs to be done. Right. In a dark way, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Joel is pleading with Tommy to take Ellie to this place and bring her to the Firefly base. He's putting her in more danger, he thinks, than she deserves and does not feel that he can go on. I have to leave her. It's for her own good. He presents it to Tommy, though, in a way to make up for his terrible things that they did. And it's a little bit of manipulation going on here. And I think it proves a much better way to position this story than the game actually did. The game, Tommy is just kind of like, this is something I have to do for my brother. But- yeah, right. <laughs> but in this in the show, I think that this is a much more effective way to get the point across. Yeah. And also, again, if you want to look at it from that other perspective of what does Joel know, Tommy doesn't care for Ellie, right? So he can just hand her over, right? Right, exactly. But Joel very much cares for Ellie or is beginning to care for Ellie, kind of. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're still thinking that this is a job, but there's a couple more scenes to come. The scene that happens next is the emotional juggernaut that I explained earlier, both in the show and 
and in the game. In the post-show recap of this episode, Craig Mazin actually does go on to explain that they very intentionally did not change much of this scene from the game because of how significant it was and how perfectly written it was. It's a crucial turning point in their central relationship, and it hits hard in both mediums. Yeah, and there was something different about it in the show, though, I felt a little bit. Sorry, let me find an articulate way to express this. Yes, it was in a different location. So in the game, again, you're playing a game. They they want right. you to go through and do things. So Ellie ends up stealing a horse from Tommy and just riding into the wilderness. And she lands at a farmhouse where Joel and Tommy now go after her. In that travel, you meet enemies that you fight. You get to the farmhouse. This scene happens. And then you're immediately into another fight with raiders. So it's, it's again, a way to play the game where they didn't need to do that so yes. it's shortened down it's tightened up it's all taking place We've in one had spot. enough raiders you know? yeah uh and so this progression uh of events happens like one after the other which is a right. much smoother form of storytelling i don't think if this were broken up by equally long scenes of raider battles that it would have been better communicated right but this scene was perfectly executed in both the game and the show, Ellie is seen reading an old diary saying, is this really all they had to worry about? Boys, movies, deciding which shirt goes with which skirt. A line, again, pulled identically from the game. In fact, this entire dialogue scene was pulled right from the game. There was so little that was not exactly the same. She reveals to Joel that she overheard some of his conversation with Tommy in the workshop. And again, just like the game, she says, I'm not her, you know, referring to Joel's daughter, Sarah. I've lost people too. And Joel snaps back at this and says, you have no idea what loss is, which is a pretty awful and frankly incorrect thing for him to say. And Ellie goes on to say the line that destroyed me. Everyone I've ever cared for has either died or left me. Everyone fucking except for you. So don't tell me that I would be safer with someone else because the truth is I would just be more scared. And that line is powerful. When I first played this game, this was the first time I ever shed tears playing a video game. (laughs) Between the masterful writing, the voice acting of Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker, the wonderful motion capture animation that Naughty Dog created, it was a perfect storm and it did destroy me emotionally. It's actually a funny story and I'll tell it very quick. I was showing fellow HBO boy Ryan and our buddy Elliot this game when it first came out on the PlayStation 3. This is going back a number of years. In fact, almost 10 years. They had stepped outside. I was still playing the game. And this was the scene that I was just leading into as they walked out of the room. They came back inside and I had red eyes with tears running down my face. And Ryan's like, dude, what the hell is going on with you? I said, this game, bro, this fucking game. (laughs) And then I think that's when Elliot ended up playing it. And, and obviously we all love the game who's played it. And, but I just, that's a funny story. I'll never forget it because it was this very specific scene some games in the same way that like a very long novel in the way that like because you're reading it over such a long period of time because it's insanely long like Mm. 1200 pages long in some cases these fucking fantasy novels that i read uh (laughs) 
the emotional impact of like the big moments is stronger because it's like been with you for so long and like the last right. of us is a long game oh it yeah takes a yeah. long time to beat uh it, it does yeah these characters are with you for such a long time and, it, and it's interesting to see how that plays out in the show because the mediums are really different and you can achieve a lot in a short time with a tv show but again you and i are already kind of like pre-packaged to care <laughs> yeah we we know exactly what's coming we've been through this and i've been through it multiple times i've played the game multiple times but this is where i say to people i i'm very jealous that you get to experience this for the first time again because i'll never be able to experience it for the first time again and that's a bummer because i it was such a wonderful experience of like ingesting content for me and uh, i'll never forget it it definitely is my probably has crested into my top favorite game of all time it truly has it's transcended multiple generations it's now exploding in the media and i'm just so happy that people get to hear the story yeah same and i will say the one part of this episode which didn't work perfectly for me because that scene was so powerful the next scene the resolution of this conflict i felt was a little too easy yes it definitely sped through it it felt much quicker than it did in the game i think that one one person kind of laying out their feelings and then hearing out another person and then the first person changing their mind like that's that's a thing that happens yeah. between people who care about each right. other right yeah it doesn't always have to be like i i i didn't agree with you until i went on a hero's journey and now i do <laughs> So the next morning, Tommy goes to collect Ellie, who is sadly sitting already with her things packed, waiting to be carried along in her journey. This actually made me think of Joel's comments saying that she's cargo. To me, this is probably how she is feeling about herself. She's a thing that needs to be taken to a place for the good of humanity. But there doesn't seem to be anyone who she means anything to. Nobody cares for her aside from what she means to other people. And that's heartbreaking to me. She's just this object to get something done. As a 14-year-old girl, a 14-year-old anything, a kid, that's like saying your parents just walked out on you and no one's there to help you through life. That's heartbreaking to me. Right. And also that, again, like... it. Ellie's maybe doesn't have that much self-worth and is, right. is, is thinking like, well, maybe that's, if I, at least I can do this. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that she wants Joel to care for her. She knows Joel cares for her, but he's dumping her off because it's the easy thing to do. And that doesn't hit her very well. And, well, and Ellie also has a lot of guilt, which we're going to explore in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So they make their way to the stables where Joel is saddling up one of the horses and Ellie says, what, you wanted to say goodbye? And Joel says, says, no, I actually intended to leave 30 minutes ago, but I decided that you deserve a choice. I still think you're better off with Tommy. But Ellie cuts him off, shoves her bag into his arms and says, well, let's go. And this was a small departure from the game, like we said, but again, we got to the same result. It definitely was hashed out longer in the game. This just was a scene to get to where we needed to go. Right. And it wasn't even that much different in the game. It was no, just, it wasn't. It's was just a slower scene. Joel belongs by Ellie's side, at least for a little longer. And he and Tommy share a hug. And just like in the game, Tommy tells him that there's a place in Jackson for them after everything's done. 
Adios, big brother. I thought the next thing that surely, well, the, oh, so now they're going to get lost in another blizzard and then cannibals or some shit. I really thought that was happening. After they leave, we cut to an amusing scene where Ellie is being taught by Joel on how to use a sniper rifle and all her shots are missing and she's convinced that this gun doesn't aim right. As Joel talks about the proper technique, she jokingly asks him if you're trying to shoot at the target or get it pregnant because he was like, yeah, you gotta oh, squeeze the trigger like you're doing something and you gotta breathe in and breathe <laughs> She's just like, dude. <laughs> she can't do that really loud whistle that people do with their thumb and forefinger. I've never oh, been yeah. able to do it. <laughs> yes, I know. She's just making noises. <laughs> Ellie thinks that Joel is getting the target pregnant and Joel takes the gun and shoots the target and gets it right on the first time. And Ellie responds with a slow, shocked, you dick. And he shrugs and smiles. And I just thought that was a very good scene, a very father daughterly like scene, which I'm so happy we're getting. Yes. And I, I, I was thinking back to the games. I don't think there's anything quite like this at any point in the game. This is show original. Yes. Yes. Yes, this scene specifically, but the montage that we see coming up after that of them kind of riding through the wilderness, that is from the game. We see kind of a montage. They're exchanging some dialogue. Joel talks about him being a contractor. That's different. But just like the game, we hear Joel explaining the basic rules of football to Ellie, which was a very poignant scene of this traversing through the wilderness. Yeah, they even they did our transporter joke. Joel is the contractor. Oh, yes, the the contractor. <laughs> but then also in this situation, he's like also kind of a contractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a con- he's contract, contract smuggler. They brought <laughs> yeah. in. We see some beautiful shots here. Truly, this show has done a wonderful job, again, with their cinematography and their location scouting. I just can't wait to go visit Wyoming because if that's what it looks like, whew, man. I'm excited to see that. We see some endearing shots of Ellie laying her head on Joel's back. And it's just really nice to see them finally at this point. We've waited a really long time for them to open up to each other and trust each other. More like the duo we see in the game. And we're there. We're finally there. And just in time, too, for for like, what were there, two episodes left? No, three episodes left. Three episodes left, yeah. But one of them is going to be totally flashback. Yes, I think the next one is the complete flashback for the Left Behind DLC. Uh. Yeah. So they finally reach the fictional University of Eastern Colorado. The campus is still ominous and clear that things aren't what they expect. They see a group of monkeys that scurry away as soon as they approach. And Ellie confirms, hey, this is my first time seeing a monkey. And uh, honestly, aside from being in a zoo behind glass in the Bronx, I've never seen a monkey either. So we're on the same page there, Ellie. I have seen uh, many, many monkeys up close and personal. Wow. I'm jealous. How was that experience? You you got to see a whale, bro, and go to Atlantic City. Fair. I got to see some tweakers. (laughs) Pretty much the same, I guess. Spastic and crazy and yelling at you. (laughs) Are there monkeys in the game? Yes. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. So the two embark off their horse and are walking in some of the buildings and they find a map indicating that the fireflies had already packed up and headed for Salt Lake City. Bummer. Now they have to go back. They have to backtrack, which is unreal. But before they get on their way, they see a group of men prowling the campus and attempt to sneak away. But before they can, a man attacks Joel with a baseball bat, which breaks when he strikes a tree. Again, reminiscent of the weapon degradation that the game has built in that I know, James, you're a super fan of. Yes, best game mechanic ever. (laughs) Totally. A baseball bat could only hit a dude four times, then gone. And then it's broken. 
but you can upgrade it with nails through it. <laughs> right. It still only does four hits, but it yeah, kills right. more zombies. <laughs> no, you attach a piece of uh, metal plate and it becomes five hits. Yeah, and it, let's say you have a metal pipe and you hit you hit it twice and it's only got two hits left. If you find another metal pipe with also two hits, you can just like split the difference. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, you know, it is a it's a frustrating mechanic, but I understand it. It makes the game harder, which is good. That's true. It does. Just like uh, in the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, that weapons degradation that system one is, is bad. out of control. It's dude. bad. Like, your sword <laughs> hits so the dude bad. three times and it's gone. I know. It even says like one of the descriptions of one of the swords is this is a very brittle sword. <laughs> oh, why would you make a sword out of a brittle material? Man, the sword has been around like for a hundred years. You tell me just now it's gonna break. Anyway, <laughs> Joel fights back with this guy and actually breaks the man's neck, similar to how he fights in the game, which I appreciated. But in the struggle, the sharp wooden hilt of the bat actually gets stabbed into Joel's abdomen. Ouch. But of course, adrenaline is running and he did not feel that right away until Ellie kind of stares at him in shock saying, oh shit. And he pulls it out, which that's the first thing you're supposed to not do is don't pull it out. But he nope, did anyway. Nope. You're supposed to leave it in. Call 911. Now, this brings us to the one thing that I wish was more similar to the game, but I absolutely understand why it's not. In the game, Joel is fighting with a guy, but they're on the second story of the building, and they bust through a window and fall onto the ground. Joel falls backwards, lands on his back onto a piece of rebar, which impales him. So now if that were real, that would be the end of the road for Joel. A fall from that height, he would be dead. Being impaled, you're done. He's done. Yeah, forget about being impaled. It would bisect you if that happened. Right. (laughs) Right. So, again, I understand the change because in the video game world, it makes sense. Things are dramatized. It's more intense. When it's real people, like, that would not happen. And and to maintain a sense of realism is very important with this story. I didn't mind this. Also, some of the takedowns that Joel does in the game, it's like Captain America shit. He'll smash a dude's face against the wall and it'll explode. That's not realistic. (laughs) Yeah, he literally curb stomps them against the sides of desks, which is insane. Same. <laughs> but so I did appreciate this change and I, and I welcome it, even though it was one of those things that I was like, damn, it was so violently epic in the game. I was waiting for that scene to happen and ultimately I'm fine. It didn't. So Joel is stabbed in the stomach. Ellie's freaking out a little bit, gets him on top of the horse as there's people chasing after them, and they ride away as Ellie shoots backwards towards the attacker. And they come to a train track section, and they're riding very slowly, and Ellie says, they're not chasing us. Great. Everything's kind of slowing down. And we see Joel is really not doing well, and he falls off the horse and onto the snow, and at this point, Ellie's worst fear is realized. So if you are an adorable little rabbit, then you are on notice. What? Because <laughs> what, what, Ellie, then the next thing's going to happen. Ellie's going to be taking care of Joel. She's going to fucking destroy a rabbit with her bow and She's arrow. She's going to destroy a rabbit. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they get that scene. Although <laughs> people were not very excited when they saw that scene for the first time in the game. Yeah, the Twitch streamers are really upset with that scene. They all cry. Yes, it was really sudden and sad and unnecessary. But it, I didn't, it's I the didn't apocalypse, really think baby. too much about that. When, it first, when I first played the game and saw that, all I was thinking was like, where's Joel? And, and Ellie, I'm worried about them. Yeah, not the rabbit. <laughs> no. 
So this episode ends with Ellie saying to Joel as he's on the ground fading away, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Joel, please help. I can't do this without you. And like you said earlier, that Depeche Mode song starts playing again. That was playing in the first episode of the show. And it's a very moody cover. And to be honest, it felt a little cliche to reuse that song again even though it's a different version, but it's fine. This episode was so emotional and it drove home so much that the story needed that it was something that I overlooked almost immediately. Yeah. I also like, I do this. Oh, it's the same song. Hmm. Yeah. I I thought they could have gone with something better. Uh, Yes. And, and there's some really, really great songs they could have chosen, but I am not the creative director. That is Neil Druckmann's job so and that brings us to the credits episode over credits roll but i really enjoyed the next week preview though for oh yeah ellie backstory yes i'm excited to see the ellie backstory her kind of growing up in federal school and her with her best friend and what happens and we're going to get a kind of a glimpse of that which again was the dlc the left behind dlc as a fan of the game i like all the lore and world building they did in this episode oh yeah tommy and tommy's wife again tommy's wife we needed more of her in the games now we're getting it in the show yeah and, and and i like this version of tommy's wife better i think in the game she's very star dark and cold and really doesn't like Joel, which I guess for good reason, Joel kind of made Tommy do some pretty terrible things, but that's in the past. We're in a surviving wasteland where you have to do what you have to do to live. I think that this version of Maria, the more understanding version, is the one I prefer. But it did lead to some interesting comments in the game where Joel's like, Tommy, I am terrified that your wife's going to kill me. So I don't want you to take Ellie. I'm going to take her now. So that was part of that kind of drawn out scene, which we know that's not really the reason why. But it's just a funny kind of addition because his wife was so mean in the game. This was a good episode. Again, I really liked that they expanded on characters who probably needed a little bit more development in the games mm-hmm. uh i really hope they do the same next episode with characters that i won't spoil anything about yes uh, yeah i will say the actress that they've got playing uh the character who again i won't spoil anything about i like her i've seen her in other stuff i guess we'll talk about it next week so that is episode six again entitled kin obviously for reasons we understand now <laughs> um And overall, I thought this episode was great, like you, James. It was furthering the story in a way we haven't seen yet. We truly have the bond between Joel and Ellie, which is going to make the upcoming events hit even harder um, than they would anyway. So I'm excited to see that, and I am excited to see the Last of Us DLC next episode. I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm going to go play the DLC right now. Uh, you should do that. <laughs> or, if, or if not, at least watch the cutscenes from it. It's pretty good. It's a, pr- it's a pretty good DLC. It's a short DLC, but it's good. We'd like to take a moment here to thank our patrons. Sunshine, Connor O'Dowd, Jamie Lochner, James Watch My Dong, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Craig, John Jewers, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you so much for your subscriptions we appreciate your money and if you'd like to subscribe and support our channel here please visit patreon.com slash h-b-o-b-o-i-z for one or more dollars a month you too can be read at the end of an episode yeah and then we'll put your name in a depeche mode song that's that's the that's the patron reward next week wait look look out for that honestly if we got more patrons i would absolutely do that so get on it 
tell your friends. Like we said one episode, if all of our patrons tell one friend and then that one friend tells another different friend, it could be great. It could be great. We could bring you amazing content even more. Then we'll use that money to buy the remaster, which is absolutely overpriced. They're kidding. It's $70. Yeah. But honestly, I bet you a lot of time went into that. (laughs) It looks amazing. (laughs) 